Stick to your own shit. Nobody gets hurt. No birds, no people, nothing but your own hands. Speaking of which, they're doing a lot better today. The aching has stopped and they look human again. They feel faster than I expected. I didn't think I'd see this kind of progress for a few weeks, but I guess that's split oak for you. Episode 5, The New Golden Rule. If I hadn't tried breaking into the bricks outside, the detective wouldn't have come back. I trailed him back into the office, my office, following at his heels like a tiny fucking terrier. By dignity, it was nice knowing you. I always seemed to act like that in his presence, shriveling up and tossing myself to the side. Mustache kept looking around the office, scratching at the whiskers beneath his nose. He inhaled sharply and rolled back his shoulders in a sort of meditative movement. Then he sat down. What's wrong, I said. You have the opportunity to do some good for the people of Split Oak. That's why you're here. You do realize that, right? I nodded. I thought I was helping. I almost completed the backlog. And in doing so, manage to indulge your anger. You think I don't know about the bird? I didn't push back on that. I wanted to, believe me. I wanted to yell at him, scream that he didn't know what he was talking about, but the shame... It caught in my throat like saltines without water. He sat across from me, no look on his face. I couldn't tell what he was thinking, and I was afraid of what he'd say next. Then, he pulled out a recorder. It made me wonder... If we're reporting to the same person, the same you, I mean. Once the recording started, he told me to stop wasting myself on ends that aren't anything but loose. He also told me to stop breaking my equipment. He had better things to do than order new parts, more important things to take care of. You mean the brick, I asked. Yeah, that little thing. I realized then that there was something else inside that brick, more than meets the eye. Mustache just shook his head, his tongue touching the bristles that hung over his lip, and then he told me that some things aren't for me and I should stick to the things that are, or I'll just keep going nowhere. I did a lap around the parking lot, just trying to put together the pieces of what he said. The ends aren't loose? The brick is a piece of equipment? What things were for me and what wasn't? The tenants are mine to take care of. Was I supposed to be looking harder for Jesse? Is that what he meant? Things felt like they were coalescing. I started walking faster. Was that what an artist felt like in a moment of inspiration? I felt like I'd been hit by a lightning strike of purpose. I'm supposed to rescue Jesse. I'm supposed to find her to save her from whoever had taken her away from here. 
I hadn't seen it before because I'd been so busy with the tedium of Macy and Kilgore and Francine and all the other people who have sucked up my time. I've been so bogged down, blinded by their needs that I didn't see what was right in front of me. My reason for being here at Split Oak. When was the last time I'd been this excited? <laughs> maybe when Vivian agreed to marry me or maybe when Benny was born? Memories of my family flooded back into me. Vivian's face at the altar, Benny's face when he first felt the air of this world. He has Vivian's nose and my eyes. The last memory of his eyes I have is how dark and fiery they were the last time he yelled at me for yelling at Vivian. I remember him standing between us. He had just turned 10, but he wasn't a boy anymore. I remember Vivian's nose twitching through the tears and snot as she cried. I'm going to find Jesse. I have to. I'm going to make all of this better. And anyone who believed I couldn't will pay for the times they doubted me. I've walked the brick and concrete and mulch of split oak so many times already, but never like this. Never with a sense of something. Something to drive me other than words on an order sheet or numbers on a paycheck. Mustache had been nothing but a whiskered mystery I've wanted to punch right in the throat. But I'll say this for him, he shocked something into me. The sights and the sounds of the cool night now seemed sharper to me, crispier, heightened. I've been wrapped up in a wool blanket, but now I felt the bracing air on my skin. I had to start with Jesse's building again, building three, where the fire had taken the lives of three residents two years ago, gutted the bottom floor and part of the upper. It set empty for a while and was almost reclaimed by the grass and the squirrels until the other tenants finally moved a mountain and got renovations going. With a strongly worded letter campaign, you guessed it, led by Francine. The fire was not just the stuff of legends around here. This apparently defined Split Oak, at least for a time. One of the first things I was told at my makeshift orientation was that I'll hear a lot about Building 3 about how none of the tenants in the building came out of their apartments about a week before the fire. About the icy laughter that did come out of the windows and doorways. About the low scraping of what sounded like blades sharpening hanging over the second floor every night. That last one sounded too much like a ghost story to me. Like an urban legend drunk kids would be telling each other in the woods. It's like the stories I used to tell Benny that rattled Viv more than they did him. I don't know what made her more pissed, that I was spinning yarns of blood and ghouls in front of a nine-year-old, or that his eyes were wide with glee just like his daddy's. I let myself get lost in those sensations. As I passed the pool, the brook, then one of the towering oaks that stood over the rim of our happy little forest. Then I was at building three, quiet, like an empty building would be, but deeper than that. The sky was cloudless and the moon was almost full, so my shadow was sharp and inky across the sidewalk leading to the stairs. Crickets, AC units, the flickering of street lights, the brook just across the lot. It all filled my ears. Split Oak's own nightly symphony, and it seemed to be tuning up just for me. What had I missed when I was here with Mrs. Chen? What had Mustache and Cherry missed? 
And had they really given a shit since they were waiting on me to get my act together to find Jesse? I unlocked the door and I stepped in. Again, the immediate sense of weird, of unease. Not just that the walls that had been scraped bare, but the whole aura of the place. I was blown down again by the oatmeal cookie smell. I told myself that wasn't going to matter, that maybe it was something wild and wacky in my head, like the mold and the bird, but there it was, all the same, triggering thoughts and memories in my head like fireworks in a match factory. I turned on all the lights and looked through each nook and cranny of every room, along every carpeted corner. Maybe another belonging or trinket or a thing that had been dropped. Maybe something that points to that deadbeat boyfriend of hers. I know a no-good nick when I see one. I walked back over to the kitchen, and everything still looked in order. I thought about opening the cabinet under the sink, but I wasn't about to cut another rug with that mold. I walked to the center of the living room and... Hello, Leo. Francine was standing right there in the hallway. She crept in, skittish and cat-like at first. I saw the lights on in Jesse's apartment, uh, this apartment, and I guess you had the same idea I did. She was about to add something, but then sniffed the air instead. Is that burning rubber? I wanted to take offense at the great slander of my wife's baking, but then I realized she was serious. She was smelling burning rubber, and I was smelling oatmeal cookies with freshly ground nutmeg. I can't quite explain it, but Francine being there didn't annoy me. I mean, it usually would. She's the cat who sits on the newspaper as you read it, but this time, I felt like we were in this thing together. She wanted to know what happened to Jesse just as much as I did, and I could use some of that energy. What do you know about the fire? I asked. There was a flash of panic on Francine's face. Oh, that was a bit before my time here. It started in the bottom apartment by the back of the building and made its way up. Only three tenants were in the building when it happened, but none of them made it out. It spread that fast? She walked closer to me. Some folks said they actually saw the person in this apartment just standing by the patio doors, never moving, like he was waiting for the fire to come to him. They say Ned did it too. You mean that weird little guy who stays locked up in the apartment in Building 5? Francine then regaled me with the details. The fire department never came, just a team of strange jumpsuited men led by none other than Mustache and Cherry. The case was left unsolved, though many thought they saw Ned walking to and from the building that night, then later standing in the happy forest with his arms up over his head. One person said he was smiling from ear to ear. An unsmile, Francine said. The word unsmile seemed to come from somewhere deep within, seemed to escape from her more than anything else. But Ned's very troubled. He's told a lot of stories no one thinks are true, ones that can't be true. I let that sink in. Another reason to look over my shoulder. This place is, I was about to say curse, but I don't believe in that stuff. Whatever happened to Jesse, she didn't deserve it and we need to find her. We do, said Francine. Very much so. She's special. 
I knew her only a little, but she is special, I mean. The kind of hopeful soul who stuck out like a radiant sore thumb in this place. The apartment might have been full of nothing, but I had my first clue. With no other options on the table for the evening, there was only one thing left to do. Find Ned. I told Francine I needed to go. I ushered her out and locked the door behind us. Before she left, I said, I'll let you know what I find. Jesse was lucky to have you as a friend, no matter what you think. Francine was first surprised by this, and then moved, I think. And I was surprised too. We stood there for a moment, and then we parted ways. And I was off to see the wizard. <laughs>